Wait, I'm Frank. I'm Justin. And I I am I am Tom. And we are start that over. <laughs> <laughs> what? No, that was actually a joke. We shouldn't have started over. God damn, damn it. <laughs> and we're Wait, Plaid Lab. No. We're Plaid Labs. This is terrible. The podcast has started, guys. Let's go. Uh, how's it going, guys? How's it going, guys? How's it going, my little, my little toddlers? It's fine. It's fine. fine. Oh, Frank, 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 Frank. How was your, yeah. uh, interview? How was your interview? Oh, it actually went really well at uh, Bleep. Uh, <laughs> nice. I was, I was pleasantly surprised that you didn't use a real bleep sound. <laughs> Justin just saying bleep. Well, I threatened Tom. It's too, oh, okay. <laughs> it was to, uh, to talk about this place where I'm interviewing. Uh, have not heard back from them yet. Uh, they have a lot of people to interview, and they had a long weekend because it is a government institution, and it was Columbus mm-hmm. Day. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so I'm going to, you know, touch base tomorrow with bleep. And uh, Frank, you don't need to be so coy. You, it's 2018. <laughs> you can tell people you're applying at Chippendales. All right. Yeah, like, yeah, it's, uh, my sexuality is very open, uh, and as such, it's in a very 1970s mode. So you're not you're not riding riding the roller coaster of Depression Town. No, yet. not yet. Not yet. Um, I have that you know that sort of low level anxiety that you have after you have like kind of a big job interview like this is one i had to wear a suit for cannot relate bring writing samples um and uh it was one of those things where you know immediately afterwards i was just analyzing the things i could have done differently and sort of spent Mm -hmm. the week sort of obsessing yeah uh so it's really just been more anxiety like high strung than uh the depression wave yet but when that hits uh (laughs) probably by recording next week um it's gonna be a fun episode did you it's gonna be a really fun episode of plaid lads for your writing sample did you bring your uh sick teardown of sound of silver by lcd sound system uh no and it would not be a teardown because i love that album <laughs> it's a pretty solid record <laughs> it's, a, it's a really good record um what i would bring though is um what record do you guys like? What can I? <laughs> uh, Cloud Chase Metallic, but we'll get back to I, that. And I like that, so I'll save oh, that for later. Spoiler! But I liked it. Thank goodness. Uh, uh, I don't know. It was teared out of something. Whatever you guys like. <laughs> I don't like anything. Oh, the Pixies. Pixies. We'll oh yeah, there. it's a, a, a teardown of Surfer Rosa. Fuck that album. We'll get there, fellas. There's yeah. son of a bitch. There is, there is a fight about the Pixies episode brewing, and I don't know when we're gonna do it, but it might be the least fun episode <laughs> to listen to. Your your opinions are wrong and therefore invalid, and That's we're true. going to educate you. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not that. It's that your opinions are. Um, uh, stupid. They're not wrong. <laughs> There's no such thing as a wrong Listen, opinion, but they're dumb. The people here on this recording, I am also the only one who has seen them. 
What are you talking about? And they were terrible. I think you're letting that uh, ruin your 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 thoughts on the band themselves. Oh, 100. I, I don't think and that's also fair. The records aren't that good. But we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll, we'll get, get there. there. You fucking asshole! <laughs> I'll kill you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Tom's. You've uh, had two shows mm-hmm. since we last recorded. How'd they go? This is correct. Uh, okay, so uh, the one I talked about last time, the one out in. Reading, Pennsylvania. Okay. Uh, that one actually was uh, great. Uh, it was exactly what I hoped it would be. I had a feeling. I was really nervous. It was really far away and blah, 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 blah. Uh, and I was nervous about it. But uh, college kids are fucking champs. All they want to do is... What was uh, <laughs> All they want to do is have some fun. Uh, the other band put it best, which is it's an audience that's rooting for you. Mm. Which you don't always... That's true. Which you don't always get. And everybody wants to have a good time. And everybody's in that, like... Let's let, be open to things and have fun. And then on Tuesday, I had the opposite experience where I uh, played this sh- uh, show in Philly. It was a Tuesday show, uh, a weekday show. Nobody came out, uh, so it was just me, the guy who runs the place, the other bands, and a few like locals, you know, champions for coming out. But uh, you know, went from an enthusiastic young crowd who's rooting for me to a jaded, urbane, like older crowd who were not by any means unpleasant or unwelcoming but like you know when there's so few people that after a certain number of songs you just stop clapping yeah and i've been there in the audience Mm. of just like i gave you my my best in the beginning yeah with my claps but now my hands hurt yeah Mm. how you doing justin i'm uh, i'm doing pretty well i'm doing pretty okay Really? That's a huge change of pace. It is. It is. Is, is this the first time? Because we're a brand new podcast, and in both of our episodes, mm. it's been like, well, you know, I've I've been practicing tying nooses all week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I, I've been uh, taste testing emetic rat poison. <laughs> I'm looking for it. Tall it things. tastes bad, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm all about life now. I'm I'm all about I'm pro life. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> I'm uh, working on um, some recordings. Hopefully, is the Christmas album in its nascent stages? Ooh. Well, that's what I gotta finish this thing because I realized that the only art that I have produced in the past three years has been my Christmas albums, and and I can't let that be my my pure expression, though it could yeah. be. <laughs> Although you kind of could, because that's like a very outsider artist thing to do. It is. It is. There's, there's, uh, so do you get this? So there's like myth, the myth of the self, right? And so there's this myth of, of Justin, right? That sometimes it like, I feel like, yeah, yeah, you could believe in that and then, and then live that. But then also there are times where it's just like, that's tiring. That's, I'm, a, I'm just a regular guy. I'm not an eccentric weirdo, though I am. Listening, I've listened to some of the podcasts that we just did, and I realized, am I very annoying, guys? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're. Well, really, it took it took you thirty years and two episodes of a podcast to even pose that question to yourself. <laughs> um, 
Oh no, you're you're not the annoying. Uh, there is no annoying one of us. Ooh, ooh, let's go around. I think no. I think uh, I think we're just gonna reveal a, com- right. a commonality of depression Uh-oh. because I've been listening and thinking, God, am I annoying? God, I God, I talk too much. Frank, I I'm the one who I think sounds the most clinically depressed, which is the weirdest. That is bizarre to me. Yeah, like I think I sound the most anhedonic. Although the fact that I was very sick and very congested in the first episode might have something to do with that. That's true. Okay, okay, fellas, let's do it. Let's play this. Uh, Mary, fuck, kill us. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, uh, Mary, Tom, gonna... fuck, Justin, kill myself. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, it would be funny if we all said we'd kill ourselves, but I'm going to hurt your feelings and say, same. (laughs) (laughs) Justin. What? I'm going to say, same. I would kill Frank, marry myself, and fuck you. Everybody's fucking Justin. (laughs) In the news! (laughs) Wait, so who are you you marrying, and who who are you killing? I'm married to... uh, Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. So I'm spoken for, fellas. Um, as for me asking about your Christmas album, <laughs> welcome to wonderfalls.bandcamp.com. Welcome Go- to wonderfalls. Welcome uh, to wonderfalls. Also on Instagram. On Instagram, welcome underscore to underscore wonderfalls. Guys, do you feel this like joy and happiness and buoyancy we have right now? Yeah. Too fucking bad. It's time for politics. Oh, God. What is going on? It is on? the week of the second week of October. Two. Oh. Two. Zero. One. One zero. M. Two. The second. One eight. V. I. 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 What's been going, going on? on? All right. Uh, what was it? Not a lot, actually. Target paralysis a little bit. Yeah. Well, weirdly, a lot, but also not a lot. Well, I mean, like 2018, not a lot, you know? Yeah. yeah I mean, so well, let's... Kanye visited the White House, the, I believe. Yeah, the Kanye thing just happened today as we're yeah. recording. I've uh, for years defended Kanye up until all the Trump shit. Because yeah. I thought everybody who was coming at him, there was some sort of r- racist element. Because there it. was. Yeah. yeah. Because 100%. before this, there was. Yeah. But he... I don't I don't know what to say, Kanye. You broke my heart. Uh, I think his name is Pete Davidson, the guy from SNL, <laughs> the kid. Yeah. Uh, did, oh, the kid. On I thought you were calling Kanye West Pete Davidson. <laughs> well, no. I think... Uh, well, he, he did... Um, I have full disclosure. I saw a clip of this on the View, which is how I heard of it. Uh, oh, for fuck's sake, that's worse than saying you watch SNL. <laughs> well, there it is, folks. But he uh, basically the uh, the thesis statement of his uh, thing was that he's a dude who struggles with his own uh, mental illness issues, and that mental illness is not an excuse. It's an explanation, but you are still accountable. And if you need to be on medication to be in a place where you're not endorsing President Donald Trump and saying slavery is a state of mind, then you need to do that and I mean, be held accountable. That, that's the thing, though. He did he did all of that shit, and then came out with. With his excuses, but then is now continuing to do do that. Yeah, he's continuing to do it. Also, pause, DJ, run that shit back. Uh, Pete Davidson, uh, do you know a thing about him? Uh, He's dating the famous lady. Ariana Grande? Mm -hmm. There's Uh, that. Thing about him, too. His dad died in 9-11. I knew about that. Thing about him, three. Uh Uh-oh. In order to prevent himself from coming too fast in bed with Ariana Grande, he thinks about his dad dying in 9-11. Jesus Christ. 
<laughs> now, did, did he? Did he? That's tell- a thing he said. Let's let's talk about the fact that Brett Kavanaugh is on the Supreme Court now, mm, and they're hearing their oral, yeah. uh, oral arguments already. Yep. Uh, I mean, that's not a surprise to anyone, correct? No, it's no. Not, we but we it, said it last didn't. week he got confirmed, or yeah. no, he was going to get. He was not confirmed as of the last time yeah. we recorded. Yeah. But he, oh yeah, he got confirmed. He's on the Supreme Court now. We're fucked. Sorry, uh, everybody. Yeah, spoiler alert. Uh, so yeah, no, I. For weeks leading up to it, everyone was like, "Oh, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen." It's not even, but somehow, like, it that none of that has made it feel any better. Now that no. it has happened, it hasn't taken oh, any no. of the sting it out of it. It made it worse. It really did in a way, because like I was kind of hoping that we'd get the result we wanted, but the, the feeling was more brutal because I think everybody allowed themselves to have hope that the world is a better place than it actually is, and that the political structure of this country, uh, rooted as it is in, in white supremacy and patriarchy, uh, would not protect its own so strongly um, and, and protect the status quo of center-right to far-right republicanism so strongly uh, that it would overlook such a, a blatant, um, a blatantly bad fit for this supposed, uh, uh, supposedly neutral legal and political body, uh, you know, uh, somebody who clearly lied under oath. I, I allowed myself, and I think we all allowed ourselves, to hope for the fact that the world might be changing a little bit, and right. that the people in power might be changing a little bit. Uh, and this was just a hard punch backwards into your face to make you feel and realize that the the wave of change that we've been hoping for, the wave of change that we thought we had happened in 2008, was illusory. Um, and that the forces at work to keep us under their thumb have all of the money and will to power to do so. Well, uh, I, and there's really not much we can do to stop it. Well, okay, I, I think I'm going to turn that backwards. I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying in fact, but I'm going to turn it backwards where you're saying that the 2008 wave of change uh, was an illusion. I'm going to say it was indeed a disillusioning. Because the facts of the matter haven't changed, but we are no longer deluded into believing that uh, matters of principle and uh, and ethics uh, really bind this uh, fascist insurgency happening in this country. The solution is to just tear it all down and start again. We failed. The American experiment failed. It's over. Well, it's done okay, with. okay, okay. I'm gonna push that. Uh, this is something where it's like. Uh, my dad, who's a foreigner, when he gets cynical, loves to say that this country is held together with chewing gum, which is why we have such compulsive patriotism and American flags and singing the national yeah. anthem, because we'll forget we're American if we don't do that. My deal is we, we are a pluralistic society. We are a nation of immigrants. But how many French republics have there been? How many versions of an English government, German government? Uh the fact of the matter is, uh, it's ever-changing like it is in all those other aforementioned countries, but there is a core cultural ethnic American... And when I say ethnic, I don't mean phenotypically uh, ethnic. I don't mean... I mean culturally, anthropologically uh, uh, American identity that we have an accent, we have a culture, and we can survive 
having a new constitution. We are not all Americans because of a 240-year-old piece of paper. We're Americans because of a shared identity and a shared geography. And we could withstand and still be Americans at the end of the day, end of the day, uh, a constitutional convention that maybe came up with uh, single transferable parliamentary uh, voting with uh, constituent districts set up by an arbitrary algorithm that can't be gerrymandered. Just floating it. It's a perfectly good system. I think America is a cancer. <laughs> now, let me explain myself. Hand me a beer our, there, Bucky. Our, our government was set up in such a way that it, it, it it's it's mesh it's 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 not sh- uh, um solid enough to be torn down to be torn apart it is designed to continue on always it's or it's a cockroach a cancer a cockroach it's it's designed that it can be started with the uh f- ideals of uh, uh fundamental human rights while also having slavery and uh, uh genocide of the native peoples um and it is designed that it can change it can grow they can I add would things argue that it's designed to not change it's des- or else we would have done it already. It's designed to, I'll put it this to grow in the sense that uh, uh, a change, you know, takes what is there and replaces it or does something different with it. How we are designed is that we are um, uh, a little ball of shit, right? That's being pushed down a snowy hill. And so it gets more and more snow around it. But the fundamental thing is always going to be there, unless something catastrophic happens. Um, it's still going to have a solid uh, ball of shit at the center. All right. Glad lads go to the movies! I was going <laughs> to wait for a shut the fuck up, Frank Q. But... Shut the fuck up, Frank! All right, so this week we had the 1947 British mesmerizing Technicolor classic, Black... Narcissus. Narcissus. Uh, now, Justin, had you seen this one before? I, I had not seen this movie movie before. Wow! So I'm the only. Mm-hmm. Have you Have you guys seen any Powell Pressburger movies before? I do not believe so. Nope. Name some. Wow. Le oh Chaussure. man, Powell Pressburger, my favorite, probably my favorite filmmakers ever. Top five. He's a uh, Red Shoes, Top- correct? Yes, Red Shoes, okay. Life and Death of Colonel Blimp. Uh, mm-hmm. I know where I'm going. Canterbury Tale. Oh, these are uh, all movies that I've uh, wanted to see for a long time. Yeah. Um, a Matter of Life and Death, a.k.a. Stairway to Heaven, uh, which will make you cry, Justin. Mm-hmm. Uh, so will Life and Death of Colonel Blimp, I think. Um, but yeah, just uh, hit Is that one about the, the life and death of a large fat man? <laughs> kind of. Is there, is there the a end. tuba score? <laughs> That's what I've always imagined kind it being. Kind of. You're actually sort of on the money. Yes! <laughs> he gets fat at the end. Ooh. Always <laughs> a treat. Now, Black he doesn't Narcissus. die, though. He doesn't die in the movie. Colonel Blimp is a, a cartoon character from, from British comics. Uh, and they use oh. the name as like a sort of sly uh, in joke. Is that like Beano? Anyway, kind. It's kind of like Beetle Bailey. Okay. What What did we think of this one, fellas? Well, let's start with a little synopsis. Yes. So, Black Narcissus follows the uh, a an order of of nuns. Are these Catholic nuns? Are these Anglican uh, sisters? They are Catholic nuns because Catholic. Uh, Sister Cloda is Irish. I was wondering about that. Uh, 
Well, she's Irish because they told us she was Irish in Little Else. Yeah, uh, she was not. Deborah Carr is Scottish. It's so everything. Anyway, we'll we'll yeah. we'll get back to that. So a, yeah. a an order of uh, Catholic nuns, all women, of course, uh, are dispatched to open in the Indian Himalayas. A school for girls, a chapel, a dispensary for medicine, a hospital in a wild Himalayan mountain village where the only other Western uh, uh, resident is a little rapscallion. Uh, I fucking love this character. He's a bit I've of a card. always loved this character. <laughs> uh, Mr. Mr. Dean. Uh, we... I've got some thoughts. I, ha- I have so many thoughts about Mr. Dean. My thoughts we'll include uh, short shorts and a small pony <laughs> going on. Uh, all of this is being funded by the local general, I suppose. He's some sort of benefactor. He's uh, fabulously wealthy. We meet, we meet his young... Played by a white guy. Yeah, yes. we meet his young heirs. Uh, now, now this, this general has done shit like this before, and it's yes, always he invited failed. a group of monks... To the same palace, uh, the, the the they're going to a palace in the Himalayas um, know, that is uh, was previously a harem house. Yeah, uh, it was called the House of Women, and it's um, decorated with 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 uh, uh, erotic murals, and the whole place is obviously uh, 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 a den of debauchery in its past. Yeah, self. we should say the lead actress is played by Deborah Carr who was also famously in the other uh, really, really famous Powell Pressburger movie, The Life and Death of Colonel Blimp, um, where she was the like sort of third lead uh, character. Uh, she was super famous actress. She was uh, in The King and I, um, and she plays Sister Cloda, the previously named uh, Irish nun, who is very sort of uptight and repressed and looking to forget her past before she had joined the nunnery, before she had joined the convent, uh, because there's a little bit of heartbreak in her past there in Ireland. So many thoughts, and we're talking about it, and we're trying to describe the plot in these, like, really dry terms, and, uh... There's a lot of shit going on. And and, and maybe in the beginning half of the movie, when it was moving a bit more slowly and a bit less, uh, uh... aesthetically densely i was sort of sitting there like you might be sitting there if you've never seen it before uh thinking okay yeah sure all right fine uh but what's really we're what we're kidding out here is this is like a visual sensory mood like this is more this is a meta film in a lot of ways that's dealing with uh, the the plot is just sort of it was adapted from a novel and the whole idea is that uh the director, Mr. Powell, uh, decided to read in between the lines, having spent some of his youth formative years in India himself, uh, and sort of get at the themes of eroticism and repressed desire and and uh, trans- these nuns want to fuck, ladies and gentlemen. Oh my goodness oh, gracious me! They, they uh, comedically, uh, they uh, a few. There are a few um, uh, sex demon characters in this yeah, film. Not not only do the nuns really want to fuck, um, the young general character played by famous ish, famous ish uh, Indian slash American actor Sabu who was in a production, uh, not a production, a movie that Michael Powell produced, uh, directed by their frequent collaborator, Michael Corda, called The Thief of Baghdad, where Mm. he was the sort of boy lead of that film. Well, Uh, this 
in this film, he was actually trying to regain his acting career after he had fought in World War II for the Americans and couldn't find acting jobs. Interesting. Uh, and he is one of the the sex demons. Well, in this movie, he's he's kind of. he's playing uh, an Indian man. You say, yeah, he must have been playing an Arab man. He was in that uh, Thief of Baghdad movie. But uh, you know uh, the, these brown people and the culture and all that. Uh, according, what was the one line from the one nun? Uh, they all look the same to me. They so, all look so the same to me. So yeah. uh, she I, calls him black. Uh, yeah, mm. because I, he's wearing a uh, scent that is called black narcissus, mm-hmm. and she says he is like a black narcissus because he is so uh uh ostentatious in the way he dresses mm-hmm. um and sister cloda corrects her and says that oh he's not black because he's an indian man and she says oh they all look the same to me uh and in british culture black is often a derogatory term used toward pakistanis mm-hmm. uh so i don't want to get bogged down in this uh i don't want to i don't want to be that person and i don't want to spend too much time fixated on this but there is so much wrong with this movie. It's so fucking problematic. Uh, well, here's the thing. I think this movie is thoroughly in conversation with its own sort of uh, colonial elements. Yeah. Uh, it wouldn't be as crazy as it is, and it wouldn't sort of um, depict the sort of Western tradition of, of colonization through religion uh, as such a flawed enterprise if it wasn't um, at least a little bit aware of how messed up that is as an institution. Uh, And Mm. even in its own sort of uh, mid-century British filmmaking way, uh, try to at least employ some actors of color, like Sabu and uh, like uh, people who looked like locals. But but that doesn't... come short of how uh the girl was her gene con- simmons played by a white yeah, lady gene simmons in, uh yeah lady named gene costume. simmons who uh, is a white lady is this the, is the caretaker no no, no 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 that's that's oh oh no, no you're no, talking no, no. about the young her girl oh is god the, yes sexy lady that's the uh s- yeah the sexy teenager yeah over, she yeah. is caked in yeah brown yeah yeah i mean it's oh boy Yes, there is all of that. However, I don't find this, especially compared to many, many other movies of the era, that oh, problematic. Sure. Not for nothing, though, uh, Sister Cloud uh, is supposed to be Irish just because they say she's Irish because she obviously is English. Uh, yeah. What, because she has red hair? Uh, yeah. I don't know. They, I, I'm sure she's Irish in the book. Um, and they cast Deborah Carr because she's famous and she has red hair. And Deborah Carr is Scottish, so it's all a little bit of a hodgepodge. Now, uh, so uh, I want to take uh, stock of, I loved this film. Yeah, I I adore this movie. I was deeply moved by it. I cannot make heads or tails of it. Really? I'm so up in the air. I respect the hell out of it as a piece of craft. The Technicolor, the state, the scenery painting, the cinematography, the editing, uh, the score, everything, uh, the perform- performances as well. The but, acting, the acting. Oh we'll my god! To the acting. Sister Ruth. Oh my god! So good. Sister Ruth. F- fucking fantastic. Which one's that? She's the the uh, one who goes crazy. The one who gets. Oh yes. Who yes. goes uh, cock crazy and uh, tries to kill several. Yeah. See, here's here's the thing about that though that I I think. Uh, 
I think this, well, at least how I interpreted it, this film handled what it was doing so perfectly. Mm-hmm. And and it, it took me a long time. It took me until like the middle of the movie, where I kept confusing them. I kept confusing uh, the sister. Uh, what's the main character? Clouda. Sister Clouda. And Clouda. and the one who turns into the sex demon. I kept <laughs> confusing Ruth. them. Yeah, they're kind of similar. Until I realized, oh, that's that's the movie. That's what the movie's about. Yes, yeah, the the struggle there, and it's beautifully acted entirely in um eyes and yes. gestures and just changes in facial expressions near the end where sister Clota confronts sister ruth who has informed uh one of the other nuns that she's leaving the order and so sister ruth is now dressed in plain clothes which means mm. she's wearing a dress bum, bum, and makeup bum. and she's not wearing the habit and they they exchange the series of looks yes and gestures and everything is told through their eyes so so beautifully the way that they connect with each other um and you can tell that sister ruth is saying you can't stop me now i am breaking free from whatever restraints you have on me and you know i'm here to get laid ladies and gentlemen (laughs) let's do this see uh, tell me if I don't know. This is purely where I was coming from with the movie. And I, I'm not sure if... I have no idea if this... That... What the movie was saying... I, Though I, an, uh, an atheist, I'm deeply moved by people of faith struggling. Same. I, I believe... See first performed. Oh, I need to. I need to. Yeah. Um... And to me, what this was, was the younger one. How young do we think she is? What do you mean by the younger one? The one who's the sex demon. Probably about 21. 21. Maybe 18. I I interpreted it as she is such a young person that she has not had a life yet. Yeah. She she has gone straight. Yeah, she might be like 17. Yeah. Even. And she's going straight into this place of faith, right? Whereas the main character, uh, what's whatever her name Sister is, Sister <laughs> she when she is confronted with this place is confronted with her past, yes. which she hasn't thought about. Uh, that in, is when the flashbacks trigger is when she gets there. Yes, and throughout the film she is struggling uh, with her position in this place uh, and and an internal struggle, I believe, with her faith. Though we do not see it, it is not hinted at. You know, it's not in the f- text. Yeah, she's struggling with where she is now, right? I believe what what I got is that you you can't have faith without life, Mm. without living a life, without without uh, pain, without suffering. What was the, uh, there was a great moment where they're talking about the young general's uncle, who is the holy man who just sits there. Yes. Uh, and it was something to the tune of, um, uh, this place, this, this mountain place with its, with its wind, the wind was a big, uh, Mm. was a big, uh, theme in this. Uh, and, uh, 
that it gets to you and it made one of the older sisters start flashing back to her life even though it was decades ago whereas for our for our point of view character Clodagh it was a shorter time we presume because she's younger uh, and anyway where uh, yes this this man who is the general's uncle who's uh, we we learn is studied all around the world and is a polyglot and uh, you know uh, served in wars and well decorated uh, he just sort of sits there in a meditative state his whole life and uh I forget who says it, but they're talking to Clodagh, and they say, uh, you can either uh, 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 ignore it, like Dean, or you can give yourself up to it entirely, which is this transcendent uh, thing. The, The place is blamed a lot. It reminds me of like the tempest, the place and the weather and the conditions, uh, the air. They keep talking about the air, uh, that it, it, it puts people into this transcendent where they see beyond uh, uh, all of their constraints and their abstract mores. Uh, and then it drove this accomplished man to just sit there and uh, become a little Buddha. Um. And there's, there's, there's that, that there's explicitly made that the two extremes of the, the rake mm. and, the, and the, the holy man. Um, yeah. Um, there's also a, a point where the rake is talking to the uh, queen mother <laughs> um, and says, like, uh, you're only human. And he's just con- comforting her with that. Mm. And she takes it and she feels that out. And it's like, we're, we're only human. Um, I, um, I'm into Taoism. I, I believe it's a, a beautiful thing. Right. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, that, oh, I'm that, sorry. I, you missed you uh, at home. You didn't hear my eyes rolling. So, <laughs> but but uh, but what? Justin, I, Justin, Justin, tell us more how you were a white man uh, with a beard uh, <laughs> in your twenties who is very into Taoism. I'm I'm very into Taoism. I I truly am. I've got a spiritual side to me, guys. Anyway, a, a thing that I I I've always struggled with in terms of spirituality or faith. Um, was something which I find hilarious that in, in like, uh, uh, ancient China it was expected for Taoist monks would, mm. would, what they would do is they would live their life, their human petty lives. And then when they got old, they would go off into the woods and become one with <laughs> the Tao. <laughs> and I've always found that dis- uh, like not disgusting, but what's the point of that? What's the point of reaching your own? personal enlightenment and and taking yourself out of the world and i think that's what the movie deals with so explicitly that that you have the rake who is completely not in this world he's he's getting drunk he's walking around being handsome he's wearing short shorts and riding a a tiny pony (laughs) we're gonna have to come back we're we're, we're gonna gonna have to come back i'll let you I'm gonna let you finish, but we're gonna have to come back to how that is such a plaid lad fantasy. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to bring this up. You have Mr. Dean just being um, uh, a bro, you know, not caring about anything, and then you have uh, the other extreme of the holy man, which the film is not revering. The nope. film is looking at him satirically because uh, when they're looking for sex demon, they're <laughs> saying like somebody ask him if if you've. If he's seen her, you know, she may have gotten hurt. And the one character says, like, oh, he wouldn't have noticed, you know. Oh, tattoo. Tattoo, the, the small boy. Yes, he, he wouldn't have noticed. So, like, what's the point of you? 
if you're such a holy man and you're such full of deep enlightenment that you wouldn't even uh, uh, help if if a uh, a young woman was hurt, you know? yeah. So I, I actually have two things I want to talk about before we close out this segment. Yes, and one is the one that relates to Mr. Dean and the Plaid Lad Fantasy. <laughs> two, it relates more to my past as a post-colonialist because this movie always reminds me of a movie that we need to do for the podcast one day called Picnic at Hanging Rock. I've uh, I've wanted to do that since we started this. Yes. Yeah, it's it's a movie that's set in Australia about a girls' school, and they go out into the outback one day on Valentine's Day, and all of these white girls in the Australian outback in like the late eighteen, early nineteen hundreds disappears. Um, and the implication is white colonizing people in these indigenous spaces shouldn't be here. And the landscape will take care of them. Hmm. The world is going to take care of the, the actual land that these people, the native people live in, will ensure that the white people who should not be there are taken care of. And not always in fun ways, either in like in Picnic and Hanging Rock, you disappear or like in this movie, you go fucking crazy. Um, and on to the second thing, I want to talk about Mr. Dean because there's one shot of Mr. Dean in particular that embodies what Tom, you and I have talked about before, and that's the Gringo Protocol. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Uh, the Gringo Protocol, for those at home, is when uh, uh, I refer you to our political segments, where we get two, despi- as, as privileged white men who have had the world handed to us on a uh, pillowy little plate, uh, uh, the world becomes oh so overwhelming for us. We think, oh, we're just going to chuck all of this Western contrivance behind, and we're going to run off to a third world nation where they will worship us as ivory <laughs> gods, and we will wear white linen suits in a big Panama hat like Hannibal Lecter and uh, be known locally by the uh, by the uh, Spanish-speaking inhabitants as, as yes, we'll be known as El Gringo and uh, we'll be a mysterious figure in the village and uh, short shorts and riding a tiny pony <laughs> there is a shot of him in this movie and it's late in the movie he's sitting in a tent he's shirtless, he's wearing short shorts and he's brewing like coffee yes. or tea in like a magical brewing set, and like people are fanning him, and he's like, he's in the Gringo Protocol in that moment, and uh, it is a sweet gig. The, so this movie is very concerned with female desire, female eroticism, uh, uh, stifled female desire, as written by and uh, uh, directed by men. Uh, but it does have some really interesting things to say about masculinity as well, because, uh, we see perhaps, uh, a capital N new man, uh, in the form of the second young general in that he's, uh, they, was it Dean even says, oh, you've got a cock in the hen house now. Uh, and she says, no, I don't think so. And he's, he's not very concerned with, uh, earthly things. He just wants to learn and become educated. And he's very obsessed with the materialistic, but then he goes with sex demon. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then we have Mr. Dean, who is also, he's very toxically masculine. His singing voice is amazing. He's yeah. I, I laugh every time I he starts singing. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I love Mr. Dean. But I, I don't think he, he... His hat rules. Yeah. I don't think he himself, the man, the character. The, he is a character, definitely. Yeah, but, no, and he knows he's like a drunk weirdo. But I don't think uh, you replace him with any other handsome man. Um... And it's the same thing. 
that it's it, the movie's not, and that's what I love about it. It's about partially. It's not completely about female sexuality, um, but it's saying that these women have sexual desires. They do. It has nothing to do with this man, you know. But he's a handsome dude. Charismatic. He's a handsome, charismatic, um, white man. <laughs> yeah. 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 He's the only white guy there. Yeah. So there is, um, he is an object of uh, sexual desire for uh, a few of the, a couple of these women, which, but it's about the women mm-hmm. in this movie. And it's about how their uh, sexual desire, which, you know, reads as normal human desire, uh, is in relation to uh, a life of faith, a a above human based desire life. When what I think the movie's saying is, you know, uh, I mean, maybe I'm harping on. Maybe it's just like the that's what I was so moved by and took from it. But that it's about no, no. no. To live a true life of faith, you have to be a regular human. You have sexual desires. Fuck. <laughs> you know, if you're hungry, mm. eat. You know. Yeah. Yeah, in uh, in conclusion, man. <laughs> and if a crazy sex demon is trying to kill you, throw her off the Throw, throw her off the bell tower. Because <laughs> that's what happens at the end of the movie. Uh, Sister Ruth throws her off at the, herself off the bell tower. L- let me say, at the, at, toward the end of the movie, straight up, she sits up like Jason Voorhees, like she Michael does. Myers. And it closes in on her. It's the best shot of the whole movie. It's a famous shot. It closes in on her eyes yes. that are ringed with eyeshadow. And her hair is sort of stringing down her face and sweaty. Incredible. She's stalking around One of the most in the shadows. Uh, movies ever made. It's uh, incredible Technicolor. Yeah. I think it's a great example of uh, abjection, which is society takes a concept that it's uncomfortable with. Uh, creates a character uh, whom it embodies totally, consumes them, and then destroys said character to exercise it from itself. Yep. Uh, yeah. They abject they it, uh, female sexuality, and literally threw it off a cliff. Yep. Uh, Black Narcissus. Great film. Watch it. Please. I've got music. I've got music. Fuck you. All right. So <laughs> you this... remember at the beginning of the podcast, Justin, where you were wondering if you were the annoying one? <laughs> <laughs> and we are watching to Clouds Taste Metallic Flaming Lips 1995 6 6 6 masterpiece mm-hmm. underrated film uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tom take it away So yeah 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 uh Flaming Lips uh a much renowned band uh this is an kind of an overlooked album by both their fan base and themselves they never really did much to sort of uh, it sort of represented the end of the Flaming Lips as a standard guitar, art rock, 90s alternative band. Uh, it was the last one of those. After that, they did Zyreka and the Soft Bulletin, and they sort of went off into crazy uh, sound experiment land where they still dwell to this day. Uh, it is an album that uh, thematically deals with a lot of existential questions, likes to tackle them with sort of uh, simplistic, maybe even childish sort of uh, hypotheticals. 
uh, I personally think it's beautiful. This is an album for me and Justin of momentous importance. It is one of our favorite records. It is a founding foundation block in our taste and our favorite things, even as artists as we go ahead and create. It has so many sonic aesthetics with the guitars and the roomy drums of Stephen Droz. And uh, uh, we keep finding people in life, me and Justin, uh, since we got into it in high school and we go off in our in, in our lives in the world. And we find people who also like this record and they're also cultishly devoted to it. And we've kind of termed that group the Clouds Cult. Uh, so we decided I to bring it. I haven't signed off on that. Uh, we brought it to our uh, fellow plaid lad. Yeah. Uh, let me uh, let me say I have to get my uh, I have to say something real quick that this was a uh, an enormous album for me. It was one of the first albums that I became an evangelist for. I would burn copies and hand them out to lots of people. Once again, that's how I got it. That's how Tom has it. I think to this day, mm-hmm. I think it is a gorgeous album. I believe it asks qu- uh, philosophic questions. Um, the most basic ones, and thus I think the only ones worth asking. Um, it is it is a uh, an album made with finger paints and crayons. Yes, aesthetically. Um, uh, sonically, it is a a gorgeous piece of work. Frank, I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Plaid Lads love Fraser. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it was a good album. I enjoyed it. Uh, I had never heard this before. Um, pretty much the only um, Flaming Lips that I'd listened to with any regularity was Yoshimi. Okay. Because um, that's the one that everybody listens to. Um, Correct, yeah. And my conception now of, of Flaming Lips is so low after all of those weird like Wayne Coyne yeah. uh, controversies. Here's the thing about this album, right? The, the way I, I see it. This album is a culmination okay. Of, okay. Of, of interests. They're singing about bugs eating your face. They are singing about uh, UFOs <laughs> multiple times. Heads and head wounds. Heads and head wounds. They are, are, are singing... Um, uh, all with just a barrage of beautiful noise, you know. After this, uh, they they go to Zyrica, which is sound experiment stuff. They're getting more conceptual, and then they hit you with um, the soft bulletin. The soft bulletin, which is uh, the beginning of the rest of their career, where they are they're adults now. They're no longer dumb children that people say rip off the butthole surfers, which is yeah, true. That, that was a, that was what I had always heard had followed the Flaming Lips is that they were butthole surfers, also rants. Mm. And and I think there's there's a, a case to be made about that, but uh, Clouds is not part of that case. I don't think. No, no. Um, although I do still think I liked like early butthole surfers from around this era a little bit more like electric larry land i listened to a little bit more than i would listen to this coming back to it listening this record so part of me that i don't listen to it very regularly in fact i haven't listened to it in years uh straight through and listened to it this time i felt a sort of cosmic similarity Similarity, similarity uh, to another record that people hold very dear and has a cult following, which is in an airplane over to sea uh, by Neutral Milk Hotel. Yeah, I see that. 
Yeah. Uh, and because we'll it, it. it also deals with existential themes uh, and also has sort of like a, a like a, 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 a over big rough sonic aesthetic. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so so it's the, there's kind sort of, of a thematic through line. And it kind of Although, sen- yeah. sentimental, kind of sappy as well. Yeah, this not, one, not as strong as a thematic through line as, as in the airplane over the sea because yeah. there's strong but arguments that i don't entirely subscribe to arguments to be made that aeroplane is like a concept album oh i I subscribe to that yeah we'll get to it i I think it's a good (laughs) argument i just don't necessarily get that when i listen to it there there are three through lines through it we'll save it (laughs) we'll save it for when we do that record yeah um but i i think aeroplanes is my Clouds taste metallic. Yeah. That's, um, yeah. Now I only um in the past couple of years got into in the airplane over the sea. And oh, I would hear people talk about it. I would be like Oh yeah. And I would be like, well, I don't understand this devotion to it and until mm-hmm. I did understand. But yeah. then I realized, oh no, yeah. this literally one hundred percent one to one, this was our in the airplane over the in sea. Fact, yeah. In fact, I still don't own that record. I've heard it. I've liked it. But I harbor kind of an irrational loyalty-based hostility toward it. I, I, I used to be with you, Tom. I used, I, but I, I'm a convert <laughs> completely. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And I he, will say the, the closest thing I've ever had to a religious experience was seeing Jeff Mangum do a solo show where he did many, many songs from that album so apparently now now we were affected like you were affected by all of the wayne coin uh controversy but also just the the new directions the flaming lips have taken should we talk about that mm, nah. uh, okay. and and uh so they've always swept this record under the rug they never played any of the songs from it they never talked about it in fact i always kind of got the sense that at least wayne coin uh wasn't a fan of it and uh but while we weren't looking while we were not paying attention because we were kind of fed up with flaming lips they went and did a series of shows where i guess maybe they saw the light or they got enough fan pressure and they went and did a little mini tour just of this record which there are some okay-ish live videos of if for people in the clouds cult i recommend watching it because they do a lot of talking about the making of the record uh in between songs and even Steven Drost gets back on the drum kit for a few nice. songs, which is very nice to see. Glad, let's love Frasier. Episode Dr. three. Doctor Frasier Crane is happy now, but called he dinner is. Dinner at eight. What? The episode's called Dinner at Eight. Thanks for interrupting me. Let's <laughs> love <laughs> Frasier. Doctor Frasier Crane is happy, but he's unhappy. He wants to fix that with dinner at eight. <laughs> what do we think about this, fellas? I think this was a good episode. This was a good episode. Um, although this is um, an episode where the plot of it is Fraser would like to take his father, Martin, out to dinner so that they can bond after realizing that he does not have as much in common with his father as he would like to. So he and Niles plan to take him out to dinner at a very fancy place called Le Cigar Volant. <laughs> and the reservation gets canceled. In the meantime, Niles meets Daphne for the first time and goes cross-eyed and has a boner. We uh, we, we will discuss. And uh, they go to a sort of down-home steak place uh, where they roll the meat out to you on a cart and let you pick it. And, they get and their... then they, they insult the dinner the whole time. And Martin just gets mad about it. 
and he's he gets all hurt and he does that wounded John Mahoney thing. Mm-hmm. It's pretty great. And yeah. Uh you're saying that they're trying to connect with them. I, uh, that's that's true, but also there's something else going on, which is that it's a really priggish, like Pygmalion thing. They're going to try and get him acculturated Culture. to the to, and they say this the, to the finer things in life, and then they put themselves on a little self righteous guilt trip. Where, well, maybe he would have been in the the finer things in life if he wasn't so busy working so hard, so we can afford them. Niles. Jesus Christ! Uh, <laughs> this is the yeah, first. He, does, he says almost that exact line. This is the first episode of this type, which spoiler alert will be 75 percent of the episodes <laughs> of this television of the show. show from here on out this is where uh this sort of the priggishness and the snobbishness of niles and fraser is sort of the most cartoonish and uh sort of the least likable but it's also the first time where they turn back into children which is always enjoyable to see when they revert. when they revert back to their childhood selves, which were still assholes, right? Is 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 this the one where he's got the suit that he bought, the yes. shark skin shark suit, skin. and it fits in a mayonnaise jar, all crumpled <laughs> yes. up, and they want to take him to Armani and get him an actual. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot. Tom didn't watch this episode for this week. <laughs> So he's doing this all from memory, which is impressive. Pretty good. Pretty good. I'm a really big Fraser fan. Uh, <laughs> so. Yeah, no, and uh, so he puts them on an epic guilt trip after they're really priggish, and, and this is where also it's really being uh, it's really being hammered home that the audience is supposed to identify more with Martin or maybe some sort of middle ground that's much closer to Martin than it is to the highfalutin crane boys. Uh, in the, I gotta be honest, fuck that steak place. Yeah, they fucking cut they, your they tie. Cut these expensive, <laughs> yeah, they cut your expensive tie. ties, the, and I think they handled it very well. I yeah, would flip I would, the fuck out. <laughs> Yeah, I would be so mad. And they kept wearing the stubs of the ties, which, are, which kind of bugged me a little. They should have taken yeah. them off and unbuttoned their top button. Anyway, uh, yeah, and then uh, Martin storms out, They and then they decide to, to, to finish their meal, uh, to clean their plates, because uh, it was good, honest American fare, and uh, had they really lost touch with the common man. Uh, and, it ta- and the punchline is it takes them hours, and they hate it, and there are a couple of little ninnies it, it, and um it's uh sets up a lot of things with niles in that is um niles is um way more pretentious than fraser fraser has that part of himself even though he's more of an asshole than niles um fraser ha- can turn on that thing of being like one being of the guys. Person. Yes, exactly. Whereas Niles can't. But over the course of the show, that is Niles' uh, um, journey. Growth. His growth, character arc. Which starts with a boner. <laughs> yes, it starts <laughs> with him episode. getting a, and a huge a boner as soon as he sees the very plain and homely Jane leaves. Oh, yeah. What a real pig. Yeah. <laughs> what a... I didn't say pig. Shut the fuck up, Justin. Shut the fuck up, me! How are you feeling, Frank? I'm feeling okay. You're feeling okay? I'm feeling pretty okay. You're feeling okay, little baby boy? Yeah. You're not feeling fussy? We're, we're, speaking of baby boys, where did Justin go? Oh. He's pacing. Taking a walk. <laughs> he's got to go for a walk. He's a little... Can, he's a little... I'll be back. I'm going to go buy some cigarettes. <laughs> How about you, Justy? Justy Westy? As previously stated, I'm fine. Justin, I don't believe you. I think we need to sit down and talk about this. What's Emphas- there to talk about? Emphasis on sit down. 
He's playing a bass guitar now. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> I'm a wild card, and I have the. <laughs> You're a party loves boy, me. and woo, you love Ross Doyle. All right, so uh, <laughs> let's sing the Platteland National Anthem. Uh, Plat- I've, been, I've been Tom. I've got a band. It's called Elbow Ache. You can find it uh, Elbow Ache Band on the, the Instagram <laughs> and elbowache.bandcamp.com. Justin, you're a guy. I'm a guy. I think I, I already plugged in earlier. <laughs> Wonderful. Welcome to wonderfuls.bandcamp.com where you can find all of Justin's Christmas records. Frank McDipshit over there. Uh, <laughs> Frank, I'm still unemployed. <laughs> <laughs> And what's what's your Twitter handle there, Frankie boy? Uh, it's it's currently private due to the the job interview situation. But mm. it is uh, at bleep. Do I have to bleep that shit again? Maybe uh, you can find us at Instagram uh, dot com plaid lads pod. We're on everything else. You can find us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you want to find podcasts. Yes, join us next week when we talk about the film, The Taking of Pelham One. Two, three, as well as the album by Leslie Feist, known as Feist. It die, let it die. Get out of my mind, because we are the champions, and we won't give up without a zipper. Good night, folks.